Turn in your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and we thank you for your people. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time to be in your presence. And Lord, as we study your word, we thank you that your word reveals truth to us, that your word is truth. And Father, we thank you for changing us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 24, it's so much better to be here than to be at a graduation. And I got a text this morning about graduation. And I thought, who in the world has graduation on a Sunday morning? Only, yeah, Dickinson. Because everything else in Dickinson happens. Every tournament, every sport in the world. It's like the God of mammon. It's the God of sport. People can say what they want to, but it's worship very highly. Luke 24, 49. And I like sports, so. But there's a certain time for it. Luke 24 verse 49 says this. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then look over in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And look in... um, Verse 1, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Everyone say commanded. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power. Everyone say power. Power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up in heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him going to heaven. Hallelujah. And that's that's what we are looking for. That's what we are expecting even now, that Jesus is going to come back to the earth, that Jesus is coming back to take his church back. People say, well, you know, you're just one of those escapists. Yes, I'm, I'm going on the first load. Amen. The first, the first trip out of here, we're going to be there. Amen. We have a work to do in the meantime. Hallelujah. You know, we're not just saved just to, you know, not just to sit and soak, but we're to, to go. Go and do. You know, two-thirds of God's name is go. G-O-D. Amen. 
So we have to go. Amen. And you know, whatever it is that God calls you to, then that's where you'll function and that's where you have grace. You know, one guy, he was out in in the field, he was praying, he's like had this burden for the things of God and souls and and so he saw in, in the sky, he saw this two big letters, GP. GP. And so he, he's a farmer. He said, oh, God, you know, I'm going to go out. And um, he thought, man, I'm going to go out and, and God's telling me, go preach. And um, anyway, he's out there and he starts and he just, he kind of fell on his face and didn't do th- things. He said, Lord, I thought you told me to go. He said, yeah, I told you, go plow. <laughs> go plow. Go, go farm and do what you're supposed to do. Amen. You can put a wrong interpretation on what God, you think God is telling you. So today, as we celebrate, we said that today is Pentecost Sunday. And so a feast that was in the, um, with the people of God for centuries. Not just in Acts chapter 2. But Acts 2 is when we celebrate the Holy Spirit being poured out. That he never has to be poured out again. You know, anytime that you see... After the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God, you only see people being prayed for to receive. So we don't have to say, oh God, send your Holy Spirit now. He's here. All you have to do is learn to receive. Amen. You just have to learn to tap in. And so whenever we talk about the things of the Spirit of God, just like my own experience, I had the same things that we'll see here in Acts 2. What meaneth this? Who's ever... When you came across the things of God, you thought, boy, these are strange things. What meaneth this? What does this mean? Every person has had that in their mind. What meaneth this? But Jesus tells his disciples, look in John chapter 16. He tells his disciples before he leaves, he said, you know, it's better if I leave. Now, I'm sure that they couldn't really understand that because Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to them in their life. Their life was, I mean, they, were, they weren't just like unsuccessful people. They were businessmen. They, they had good things going on. But Jesus totally revolutionized their life. But John chapter 16 and verse 7 says this. He says, nevertheless, I'll tell you that the truth. It is expedient and advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That's why we say that Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit. Actually, John even said those same words too. But look at verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth or into all reality. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will glorify me. See, that's what we were saying earlier. The Holy Spirit's always going to glorify God. Always going to glorify Jesus and lift him up. For he shall receive a mind and shall show it unto you. And so I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. So Jesus even said, as we read in Luke 24, 49, he says, wait. He says, you know, you boys, you, you're ready. You really are ready to go out into the ministry. You want to do things. He says, but wait, you're not ready yet. There's something else. He says, wait until the city, city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power 
from on high. And look in chapter 2. He says this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, I like the suddenlies of God. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The Amplified Bible says this, as of a mighty tempest blast. You know, a lot of people today would want it to be just like, you know, we were just in that place and there was a gentle breeze that just came through the room. You know, make, make him really acceptable. You know, make him really just, you know, fit in really good. But no, the Holy Spirit, he's not there just to make you even fit in. So he said there's a violent tempest blast and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utter, gave them utterance. So this is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now there's other evidences. I can tell you there's other things that's going to happen in your life. But the, the, the first evidence is this. You will begin to speak. As the Spirit gives utterance. What does that mean? You'll begin to speak. He gives the words, but you actually speak. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now I don't have time to get into this, but one of the things we'll see... It didn't say that they spoke in all those different languages. It said they heard. See, one of the things of the gift of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation of tongues, you may speak in other tongues, but you hear in your own language. So they heard them speak in their own language. And it goes on to talk about these different languages. Look in verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? People say that in church today. You know, people, maybe they've never heard someone speak in other tongues. They say, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose. Now, it didn't say they weren't drunk. They're not drunk like you think. <laughs> Seeing it is about the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But, you know, anybody that's worth their weight in drinking, they start early, you know. I mean, you know, people that really drink, I mean, there's no time limit. There's no start time. You know, I had to wait till 6 p.m. You know, they're, they're already pretty lit in the morning, you know. Why are you looking at me so sanctified? You know you did. <laughs> but notice he says, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What did Joel say? He said this, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my headmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and you shall prophesy. Verse 21, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Skip down to verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh to see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So, so what's happening is Peter is still preaching to them. He got up and stood up and preached. And he says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which you now see in here. See, there should be something in, in our life as a believer that people see and they hear. You know, even in Dickinson, it's, it's this way now. It used to not be like this. But, you know, there's many nationalities. There's many different languages. You, you go to Walmart. You go to, to any store in town. What are you going to hear? You're going to hear different languages. You're going to hear people that, um, that, that are speaking different languages. Now, you never accused anyone of being drunk, though, did you? I never accused, I mean, we lived in Tampa, and, and they say that Tampa has 186, I mean, um, Florida has 186 nations represented. And, um, I mean, I never, though, just considered anyone to be drunk just because they spoke in another language. They had to be doing things that, that looked like a drunk person. So that's why they said, these are not drunk as you suppose. These men are full of new wine. But notice he, he goes on to say, verse 34, David has not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So anytime that there, there's conviction of the Holy Ghost, there's always going to lead you to a point of decision. So he says, what, what are we going to do about this? And, and let me say this. There's always two, two things that's going to happen in your life. You're either going to humble yourself and repent, or you're going to harden yourself and resist. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. Well, you know that, you know, speaking of tongues, they, they had that in the um, beginning of the church, but it, it, it passed away when the, when the last apostle. The promise is unto you. And to your children and to all that are far off. I would say that we are far off from 2,000 years ago. And as, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So is God still calling people today? Is God still reaching people today? Then God is still reaching out by the power of the Holy Ghost. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So what do we see here? Is the outpouring of the Spirit of God important? Yes, 3,000 souls came in. And then we, we see a time where 5,000 were. And then we have the 120. So just in a few days, you have 8,120 people at least 
that are in the church. And then people say, well, you know, people have many reasons they say things. Most of the time it's just lack of knowledge. But people say, well, you know, God's not interested in big churches. And, you know, I just don't do good in big churches. And I'd rather have a little church. Mainly that's because they're selfish. And they'd rather have, you know, a little church that, that they can control or, or that, you know, everyone knows me. And, but, you know, the churches in the, um, in the Bible, they were big churches. Amen. Why? Because God's interested in people. God's interested in, in um, people growing and, and people multiplying. Amen. And so it's all about a harvest of souls. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not about a language. Do you know the Holy Spirit's not a language? The Holy Spirit is not tongues. <laughs> you know why? Because you're the one who speaks in tongues. You know, a lot of times you, you pray for people and they say, well, you know, I don't want it to be me. What do you mean? It's not going to be your brother. It's going to be you. Well, you know, I was just, I was, I was not wanting to speak and it be me. Well, it's not going to be the Holy Spirit. The Bible never said the Holy Spirit receives the Holy Spirit. It never says that he speaks in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. You speak. As he gives us utterance. So what, what does that mean? He gives us the prompting. He gives us the, 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 the nudge. He gives us the words, but we do the speaking. A lot of people think God's just going to grab their tongue, go, you know, just pull their tongue out, and it's just going to come retract like an old-time shade on the window. But that's not true. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Hallelujah. So I want to give you this morning three P's of Pentecost. Three P's of Pentecost. Number one, this is the plan of God for every believer. What are you saying? What's the plan of God? For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 2.39. So number one, when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we're talking about what meaneth this and, and the, the plan of God, number one, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the plan of God for every believer. Now, maybe not every believer does, and you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. We understand that. But if you, if you read through the whole New Testament, one of the things Paul did, he always did this. What was the most important thing? He went into a place where Christ was not named and got people born again. So that was number one. And so... Paul even said, you know, that, you know, you don't have, you have all these instructors in Christ, but only one father. People that he had begotten in the gospel, that he had got born again. Churches that he had started. And so, number one, Paul got people saved. Number two, he made sure that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you need that power. You need the power of God. You need, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So, Every place that they went, people were, were born again and saved and, and also filled with the Holy Ghost. But then number three, what, what did they always do? Made sure that they were grown up in the things of God. 
So what do we see all through the, old, the New Testament? How many of you know Paul would send people in there, and it said they went in there to confirm the disciples. Now, that wasn't a confirmation class like I went through in the Methodist church, where you get sprinkled and you still come out unsaved. But what, what, what that meant was strengthening. When you confirmed the disciples, it meant strengthening the disciples. So every time. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that you're here today? Because you're getting strengthened. Because you're getting confirmed. Maybe, maybe it's, it's truth that you've never heard before. What, what, what is that? That's sowing of the seed. What if it's something that you've already heard before? Then what we're doing is watering the seed. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither, neither I nor Apollos or anything but God who gives increase. So, so what's important is that people are, are the word of God is planted into them. And that's why the Bible calls it the engrafted word. 1 Corinthians also says this, that we are God's garden. Who likes to plant a garden? Who's good at it? Okay, yeah, that is a different story, isn't it? <laughs> some, that's why some of us are called hobbyists. Now, we haven't tried many years, and my wife, after the last time, we had 17 different things in one little space. <laughs> I don't even know if it's good to plant that many things in one. We had one row of this, one row of this, one row. I think the thing that, that grew the best was the, volun the thing that came out volunteer, and that was that rhubarb plant. The rhubarb plant comes up no matter what, so it, it was going to grow. All the other stuff that we planted on purpose did nothing. But Apollos, what he did is he went and taught, as you teach, that, that, that seed gets watered, but God's the one that gives the increase. God's the one that gives the increase. That's why we give him the glory. So this promise is unto you and to your children and all those that are far off. So number one, it's the plan of God. How many remember Paul went to the, to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, he came to a group of people and he said, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, when, when you, even by wording it that way, what is that saying? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So there was a time that you believed, but you may not have received this other experience. Now, don't misunderstand me because... Certain denominations would try to take you to task about this, but I see where they're coming from. People say, well, you know, I have just as much of the Holy Spirit as you do because I'm born again. And I would say, yes, you're, you're right in a measure. Because when you're, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. you. You can't be saved without Him being indwelling your spirit. But that's another thing from the baptism in the Holy Spirit where he, he comes upon you with power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That's why we say it like this. There's the Spirit within and there's the Spirit upon us. So Paul came to these uh, disciples and he said, Hey, have you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know what they said? They said, we, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. He said, well, what have you been baptized in? He said, John's baptism. You know, saying that we should uh, believe on him who should come. So he had, they had to preach and say, Jesus already came. He already died. He's resurrected. And now he sent the promise. 
And so what happened is you see this all throughout. Peter and John would go into a place and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And notice the language. Paul, that God sent them down there and said that, that Paul, I mean, that um, Peter and John, sorry, went down there and said that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Not that God would pour out the Holy Ghost, but that they would receive. How would they, you know what they, they did? It said, and they laid their hands on them. They laid their hands on them. One of the ministry gifts or one of the ministry we see in the church is laying on of hands. You know, it's actually a doctrine of Christ, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6. So laying on of hands is not something that's weird. It's not something that's, you know, oh, that's, that's one of those Pentecostal churches. The Bible says that it's a doctrine of Christ. So just like the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, all those different things, there's one called laying on of hands. There's six of them. So laying on of hands should be something that's normal for the believer. So what happened is they went in there and got these people filled with the Holy Spirit. And we say it like this. There's a separate experience that comes after salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's not a certain group. It's not a denomination. You know, Pentecost is not a denomination. Well, you know, Pente Pentecost is not a certain hairdo. <laughs> Pentecost is not a certain way you dress. Now, I know, I know people do, and, and I have no problem with that. In, in their mind, you know, that's their, their sanctification, and that's their setting apart. And so I, I, will not, I won't argue with people about that. But it comes something that's in the heart. Yes. Amen. Like Brother Jesse DePlanet said, he said, I think it is a sin for some women not to wear makeup. <laughs> Amen. You know, not wearing makeup doesn't make you holier. And all the ladies said. People are scared to say anything about it. <laughs> so number one, it's the plan of God. Number two, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit, he's within us, but then we shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes up on. He comes upon us, up on us. See, that's the way all the things of God are. How does healing work? Healing comes from the inside out from top to bottom. So everything that we receive from God comes from the inside out. So if we expect, if we're asking God to heal us, where does he heal us? Does he, you know, does he just reach a hand down from the sky? Well, the, the, he's on the inside of us. So his power in our spirit comes up on us. We're not the healer. And it doesn't originate from us, but it comes from him. So that power comes upon us. He says, you shall receive power. Another word for that is endowment. Think about it like this, being clothed upon. Now, maybe I should take one of those rags and throw it on someone, but uh, what is that? You know, you put like a, we have these, these cloths, these modesty cloths. So what, what are these cloths? You know, you cover someone with that. Well, think of it like this. Just like you put, a, I put this coat on this morning. What did I do? I clothed, clothed myself. There's an endowment being clothed upon. Yeah. Same thing. The Holy Spirit 
he, he's, he's, he wants to clothe us. Amen. In the spirit, a lot of people are unclothed. Amen. They, they need to be clothed upon. Hallelujah. With the spirit of God. And you know, here's one of the things we need to realize too. We need to know when the spirit of God is helping us. Do you know the Holy Spirit helps a lot of people more than others? It's not because he plays favorites, but a lot of people look to him. Now, have you ever, you ever talked to people that they, they ask the Holy Spirit for everything? I mean, I know when I first got born again and you'd hear people praying, it's like, man, they can't do anything on their own. I mean, that's what you thought to your mind. But, but you know, that is actually the truth. It was a revelation to them that they couldn't. I thought, man, well, surely you can do this by yourself. or sure you can do this by yourself. But they had this revelation that, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me do everything. I mean, you know, you know, people say, well, Holy Spirit, help me to. There are some things that, you know, he gives you wisdom. But, you know, some people, I think they need to pray again. Lord, help me to, to dress. I mean, I, I have a helper and, and it's, it's my wife. So I ask her, which one looks the best? Which coat looks the best? But, you know, the Holy Spirit is our helper. And if we don't ask him, then he's not just going to barge in and, and, well, I told you so. You know, it's just like your kids. What do you, you're, you're looking for them to ask you certain things. And if, you know, people can tear stuff up, they'll, they'll, they'll do something on the job. They, they, they don't want to ask for help. But ask the Holy Spirit for help. Holy Spirit, I need your help on this. You know everything about everything. Now, who, who's ever lost a set of keys? Who's ever lost something that was dear to you? And how, how, how long did it take before you finally said, okay, Holy Spirit. Now, here, here's the unspoken dialogue that was going on. The unspoken dialogue was this. Holy Spirit, I'm going to do this on my own for a little bit. And then if I really need help, I'm going to ask you. So then what happens? You can't find it. And you finally say, okay, Holy Spirit, where's those keys? And then... He illuminates your mind and you realize, oh, I was over there. I was in this place. Or, or if you do like me sometimes, you set a coffee cup in a place that you normally wouldn't want to, that you'd normally put it. And, you, and the Holy Spirit checks you right there and says, move that right now. You put that up on the bookcase and you, you're not going to be looking for your coffee. This morning I looked for it. It was on the, in my garage on the back of the car. Well, I knew I was going to go look in, in my wife's car. I knew it had to probably be there. Well, it was on the back of the, the other car. Thankfully, it was, it was not um, hidden. But the Holy Ghost will check you. He'll, he'll teach you those things. You just have to learn to listen to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, it's the power of God. And all, but realize this. The power of God... It's always for a purpose. So number three, the three P's of Pentecost, the purpose of God. What is the purpose? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is upon you just to sitting in your house. You shall receive power and you shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what does that power do? It, it, it equips you. 
whom God calls, he equips. I like what Rama said. He, you know, he said he, he was going and praying for those people. He had that power within him the whole time. He had the boldness in him the whole time, but you have to stir up the gift of God. You have to, to realize what, what you already have. So number one, or being a witness, talking about the purpose of God, being a witness. You know, your life is going to be a witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. One translation talks about being proof providers. You know, we should be a proof provider that God is real. You, not, not because you watch, you know, God is alive, um, one and two. God's not dead, he's surely alive. You don't have to have that song playing all the time. God's not dead, he's surely alive. But providing proof wherever you go. People saved, people healed, people delivered, people filled. You just have to be available. What does that sound like? Here I am I, Lord, send me. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We're supposed to do exploits in his name. Hallelujah. The Bible says this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. What does that mean? It's not our struggling. You know, we see this all throughout the Old Testament, but there was one, one time when the, a king, he had hired this whole army to fight. And the Lord said, don't, don't go. I'm not sending them. I'm not, I haven't sent them. And he said, well, Lord, we spent all this money. He's like, well, you should have thought about that beforehand. I never, I never sent them. And, and of course, then the Lord answered his prayer and said, you know, I, you know, that he would, he would um, fight for him. But just because, you know, you have the might to do something, you know, we have to watch that because sometimes, well, you know, I can, I've got the money, I can go do that. Well, is God leading you to do that? You know, when you get money, you actually have to pray more. Because when you don't have it, you know, there's nothing to pray about. You can't do it. How many know what I'm saying? But when you have extra, when you have the money, you can just, you know, blow it on anything. You have to pray and say, Lord, do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do with this? And so we're doing exploits in his name. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So what does that mean? It's going to be the Holy Spirit that brings the victory. It's going to be the Holy Spirit who brings uh, us to triumph. It's going to be not by what I can do. Oh, you know, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to, and I'm, I'm believing. I'm believing this. And just work yourself up. It's by the Holy Ghost. Yep. And it's also going to be by his unction. What does that mean? See, you have to, I know it's a catchy phrase, but you have to learn to function in the unction. Yep. Function in the unction. That means function where you have the, the leading. If it's, one of the things you have to realize when it comes to the, the Spirit of God, is He moves, where, where He's moving, there's life. 
Jesus said this in, in John 6, 63, it's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh is just dead, though. Have you ever just had something dead as last year's bird nest? <laughs> now, even though, I mean, we have bird nests that we just leave alone because they come back every year. So it must not be that dead. They still come back to it. And um, anyway... But the Spirit is the one that quickens. So if there's life there, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If there's life. You know, if you're doing something, if you're praying and it's just dead, you're not in the flow. You're not in the flow. You need to get in the flow. You need to get in the Spirit. Amen. It's the Spirit that quickens and the Spirit that gives life. Hallelujah. So that's how you detect what's the Holy Spirit and what's not. So when, when you're born again, as we said, the Holy Spirit indwells you. But the bapti baptism of the Holy Spirit, he resides upon to do a work. To do a work. So once you get filled, though, here's, here's us. Where are we today? Once you're, and I know many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit, but once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants you to stay filled. Many people, if you talk to them, their experience is like this. I got filled one time. But, you know, living on past experiences is like living on stale manna. Who's ever eaten stale bread? You know, it's not too good. It doesn't make for a good sandwich. See, a lot of people, they, they're, they're living on past experiences. I remember back in 95 when I was in that revival. I remember back in 1974 when, when, when the fire hit me. But you leaked out in 75. See, you have, to, you have to, to live in a constant flow. It has to be a freshness. Uh, Howard Carter, who wrote uh, Questions and Answers on Spiritual Gifts, he said this. He said, we must not forget that the speaking with other tongues is not only the initial evidence of the Spirit's indwelling, but is a continual experience for the rest of one's life. Notice, continual. It's not like when you're born again and then, okay, I'm saved. Now, you have to maintain your salvation. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to, main, you have to you, if you try to just maintain, you're going to regress. What happens is you just leak out. Now, that's a good thing if you're leaking out on other people and like giving them joy and everything. But that's why you have to be refilled. You had to be refilled. Now, think back. Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What? And they said, we, haven't, we don't even know whether there be a Holy Ghost. So he preached to them. Got them filled with the Holy Ghost. The same people in Ephesus that he, he got them filled, he encourages them in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He was encouraging those same people. Well, I thought they got filled back there. There's one initial filling, but many refillings. Many refillings. And so you, people need to be refilled. And, and like I said, I think Wednesday night, it's been too long for many people. It's been way too long. People need, um, you know, when, when the Spirit of God comes up upon you, we call it being blessed. There's a lot of people who just need to be blessed. 
I'm not talking right now about spirit, about financial. I'm talking about spiritual. I'm talking about being blessed. When's the last time you just were beside yourself? Or at all? When's the last time that you just got, you, you just got taken away with the blessing of God? When's the last time you just got filled? When's the last time you just had an overflowing testimony? When's the last time? Overflow. And you know, if you've ever seen somebody that really drinks, it doesn't take much. They, they, they live at about that level where it just takes about one sip and they step over. You know, you ever seen people that, that haven't laughed in a long time? I mean, they start laughing and it sounds like things are breaking inside. And it's like, Lord, Lord, just bless them. Don't kill them. You know, they start laughing and cobwebs are, you know, coming out of their mouth. You know, there, there's just, there's something that hurts, you know. Oh, I have, oh, that hurts so bad. It's because you're not using those muscles. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Who, who do you think prompts that? Who, who prompts that joy? The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says this. God sits in the heaven and cries. He that sits in the heavens laughs. He that sits in the heavens laughs. So how about you? Well, you know, I just, I'm just such a serious person and I have, you know, I'm just like a, a, a spirit of intercession and I'm just, so, you, so what you're saying is, is you're, you're more spiritual than God. Because, you know, the Bible says that, 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 um, that God, you know, when angels, the, the Bible says the angels, when one person repents, what, what does it say? There's more joy in heaven. What if you had, what if you had 99 people, come, you have 100 people that were going to be saved, 99 left lost, but one. The Bible doesn't say that God weeps over the 99. It says he rejoices over the one. He rejoices over the one. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he tells us, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So when we read that, it's actually a play on words. It's, it's this, but be being filled. Be being filled. You know, you can look at your neighbor and just tell them, be being filled. Check up on your neighbor. Say, hey, have you been being filled? Amen. I had a friend back years ago, and his name was Will as well. And um, he was on a um, uh, music ministry. And uh, so I played the piano. He'd sing and all that stuff. And, and, of course, we had a lot of singers and stuff. But one of the things that was kind of like code language, I always said, I always, we said this, PETA. Like pita bread. And I always ask him if he had his pita bread. It means pray in tongues always. It was a little acronym that I had. Pray in tongues always. And um, so sometimes I say, hey, you been eating that pita bread? Yeah. Hey, pita bread, you know. <laughs> pray in tongues always. Yeah. Why? Because the same way that you, you get filled is the same way you stay filled. Yeah. By speaking. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're just going to always be rolling in the, on the, in the ground. I mean, nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're going to be a, you know, there's a reason why they called them holy rollers. Yeah. 
Why? They rolled on the floor. The, the, the Quakers, they quaked. They shook. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'll take all the good feelings I can. People say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, brother, I don't want feelings. You know, I just, I walk by faith. Well, we can tell. Like we said, well, you, you've been, looks like you were pickled and not preserved. The Bible never said that the saints have been pickled. It says they've been preserved. We've been preserved into the heavenly kingdom. But how many know that on this journey, we need joy? On this journey, we need to be filled. Here's the thing. See, the enemy says, well, you can't do this. You know, you're a Christian now. You can't do this and this and this. And so people just, they, they get bound up. But the Holy Spirit is not a, a spirit of, of bondage. And that's why God wants us to be free. You know, we've noticed this. You know, people that maybe they, they haven't been able to be free in certain areas, it's, it's, it's stopped them from being free in the Spirit. And also, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, there's, you know, even people sometimes that maybe that they, they, they have some of the old stuff. Maybe they don't have the, the new wine. Maybe they're still sipping on some of the old. It hinders them from, from stepping into the new. Why? Because whatever spirit you partake of, there's a, there's a reason that liquor stores say wine and spirits. It, it's, it's something that just stops people. Now, we don't condemn people, but there is a higher way. How many can testify? God will set you free. He'll, 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 he'll fill you up, and, and you can be filled with the good stuff. You can be filled with the new wine. Because sometimes, you know, people, when people are full of the new, they look at you like, what's going on with them? You know, it's like some strange thing. But that's the way every believer should be designed to live. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I um, I was going to reiterate this. You know, this was something that back... um, about, was that, about 35 years ago, um, Brother Hagan had an experience of, uh, where Jesus appeared to him and talked to him about uh, plans, purposes, and pursuits. And um, actually, I, I mean, I wasn't going that direction, but I did talk about the plan and the purpose, but wasn't even thinking of that message. But what he said was this. Jesus talked to him about the order of worship and what worship should look like. And he said, what people asked him after the experience, what did Jesus talk to you most about in that three and a half hours? He said, what Jesus talked to me most was this. It is my plan under the new covenant for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so everything comes out of that. Our worship should be spirit-led and spirit-filled. Everything that we do, our preaching, our teaching, everything that we do, is because we're filled. Hallelujah. And so everything, the Bible says in John 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank God that we're not just worshiping him with, with bulls and rams and, and goats, but the Bible says that ours are spiritual sacrifices offering up to Jesus Christ, acceptable unto God. Hallelujah. And so everything that we do is supposed to be in the Spirit and by the Spirit.
Can you say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you for your anointing today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you've, caused us to, you've called us to be free in you. Thank you, Lord, that you said you, we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And you shall receive power. We thank you for it. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being in the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you today, Lord, that you've not left us to be alone. You've not left us to be without a comforter, without a counselor. And we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our best friend. That when we don't know which way to go, that you said you never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, I know what that means to me because, Lord, you know that Lord, I know the way I used to be and how I used to talk about being alone. But Lord, I know that you filled my heart with yourself and that I've never been alone since the last 30 years because you're, you've been so good to me and you made yourself real to me. And I thank you for it.